excuse me. If you guys hear crying in the background, my son is going upstairs. It's almost nighttime or nap time. But anyway, yeah, the special podcast for the college football playoffs. Um, trying to get my host uh, Marcus on. Seeing what's going on. Um, if for some reason the sound quality is a little bit off, I apologize. I usually do this. Uh, in my um, office with my mic, but I'm going by phone today, so we'll see how that works. But anyway, uh, we are actually starting a little later than usual. Uh, we've got the Memphis and Penn State game about to kick off in the Cotton Bowl. We've also got uh, Notre Dame taking on Iowa State, I think is the other uh, 12 o'clock game as well. Um it's setting up for an interesting Saturday. I really think um, I really think that today is going to be one of the better days of the uh, the bowl year so far. We've seen a, a lot of up and downs in the bowls. Um, if you look at from a gambling perspective, a lot of the the people that the sharps are backing are not winning, which is odd. Um, generally speaking, you know, sharps are what they are. They're sharp. They're better at it than everybody else, but the smart money has not been succeeding this bowl game, or this bowl season, so it's a little little off. Um, recapping some of the, the better games, I really thought the BYU-Hawaii game was the best bowl game so far. Uh, back and forth affair, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's not two teams that people are familiar with, but, but they really came to play, and I think that's one of the biggest things that you're looking for in a lot of these bowl games is will teams show up? Will they show up? Will they be ready to play? Uh, in this case with Penn State and Memphis, Penn State, I mean, they had aspirations to be playing in, in the uh, college football playoffs, you know, so this is somewhat of a letdown for them. However, um, it's still a chance for the program to finish on a high note. A lot of these guys take a lot of pride in, in what they're doing. I think they're relatively a young team as well. Um, and, you know, guys like James Franklin <clears throat> still looking to – to push the programs to the very next level, I mean, Cotton Bowl isn't what it used to be, but still, you want to win your bowl game. Um, you want to kind of set yourself up uh, to have something to build off of uh, next year. So um, James Franklin got got his quarterback back, and um, I think he's pretty much coming in with a the, with the healthy team. Memphis lost their head coach um, to Florida State, and they've got a position coach. I want to say he was a lines coach or something like that. Um, they've got him going uh, as the head coach, and it's just one of those games where you kind of worry, you know, because, I mean, he's never called plays before, and that's going to be an issue. Uh, I think Penn State lost their offensive coordinator as well or, or a play caller for them. Um, yeah, offensive coordinator uh, Ricky Ron um, ended up going to ODU to be head coach, and then they had um, – a new offensive coordinator name, but then they're using a substitute today. Um, it shouldn't be too bad, I don't think. Uh, I think they've had a month to, to prepare. Uh, it's a little different when you still have your head coach, like James Franklin is still there. So, I mean, worst-case scenario, he could definitely take on more responsibility if needed, whereas um, the head coach for Memphis is completely gone, and they've had to prepare for this bowl game. It might be a little tough. And, Penn State's got some talent, so um, still ain't no Marcus, but yeah, Penn State's got some talent. Penn State's going to beat them. Marcus. Yo, what's Yo. up, man? 
right, so I was rambling a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I was just talking about the Penn State-Memphis game. Uh, it's about to kick off right now and um, how, you know, the storyline is, you know, the offensive coordinator for Penn State went to ODU. The head coach for Memphis went to Florida State. Uh, so some people were a little turned off by this from a gamma perspective. The line closed at, I think, a touchdown, a straight seven. And um, yeah. I actually like the Penn State to cover that today. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Penn State still beats Memphis pretty um, convincingly. I think Memphis is good enough to make it pretty interesting early on, but I just think now Ricky Ronnie left and went to ODU. Um, but, you know, Memphis is also in transition too. You know, you lose a guy like Mike Novell who goes to beat, you know, your coach. But I think Penn State beats them by at least two touchdowns, man. I just think Penn State's a really talented football team that probably – not underrated it, but maybe let's say undervalued. Um, so I just see, you know, them just being able to win at about a, I'd say like a thirty-seven, seventeen kind of game or something like that, man. Like I don't, I don't see it being pretty close. But I mean, I could be wrong. Now, I'm not really sure who the co coordinator is at Penn State. Now, if James Franklin starts calling plays, then I take Memphis by twenty. <laughs> but. <laughs> Anybody other than that should should I, be in with the worst, control. Worst case scenario, I mean, at least he understands, you know, the ebb and flow. No, like he, he can handle. This is the same take guy. Well, well, he can. Who, but no, this is the same guy called like the zone read on the fourth and six. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't want him actually calling my plays, but he's young. Yeah, but if if you trust that dude. If, with the nuclear code? If I had to pick between James Franklin or the position coach that just got promoted to prepare for this bowl game, I'm going to have to yeah, go with James Franklin. <laughs> um, but yeah. I think the the, the key here uh, in this matchup is, is we just uh, – the first play just went by and uh, it was an incomplete pass from Penn State. But I think the big key here is that both of these offenses are, are um, explosive offenses. Um, yeah. And – Whereas Penn State definitely uh, man for man the better team, they have been known to give up explosive plays, and it really hurt them in the uh, Minnesota game actually. But um, that's yeah. kind of their Achilles' heel, and and you just worry about the the motivation. And I was talking about that a little bit before you got on. Like you got a num- the number ten team uh, in the in the nation, Penn State. They had aspirations. They they started pretty hot. And you got to think that they're a little let down by being in the Cotton Bowl, even though they're coming in at ten and two. Um, you worry about them, you know, getting up for the game, you know. And and I think, yeah. I think we've we've seen that in years past. Shoot, we've seen that last year when Texas played Georgia. Let's just keep it a buck. Georgia was not into that game like they should have been. They really shouldn't have lost that game. But like, you just don't know what you're going to get. Guys start to sit. Guys start to think about the yeah. future. You know. And I mean the Cotton Bowl. The Cotton Bowl is kind of cool because it's in uh, it's in uh, the Cowboys Stadium, correct? Yeah, it's in the Cowboys Stadium. I mean, I consider it oh, to yeah. be, even though it's not on New Year's Eve, I consider this to be one of the you know bigger bowls. But like you said, man, it was kind of a letdown season for well, in some ways it was a letdown season for Penn State. But yeah, yeah. I, I agree in that one. You never know what you can get with some of these bowls. All right, so Penn State just went three and out. Would you still take the seven? Yeah, I'd still take the seven. All I mean, right. the way it's looking, um, that was almost 
that was a, that was a good play. Yeah, I was watching it now. I just turned it on myself. But yeah, I still take them with mm-hmm. the Southern man. I think. I, I one game I didn't. I I honestly wanted to take Iowa State at the three and a half against Notre Dame. So I've been um, I've been I was considering that, but I really liked how Notre Dame ended the season, and and mm-hmm. I really think that um, I really think that like everything was clicking for them, and these guys um want they just want to continue they just want to win out like they want to keep it going. Um, so I wasn't yeah. too I wasn't too concerned about that. And then just thinking about how I just can't trust Iowa State's defense. I just can't. I can't. And and Notre Dame has got the uh, they've got the methodical approach to uh, to their offense where they work through the short passing game and, and and they can grind people as well where they can really make it tough. And I, and in my mind, I was thinking of the Iowa State Baylor matchup. And I'm thinking to myself, Notre Dame is definitely a better version of Baylor when they have to be, um, for the most part. And and I just felt like that was an edge. Like the three didn't scare me, and it's in New York, I think, so that's not too far uh, for them as well. It's practically a home game, you know. So I, I yeah. honestly, I really think that this was um, this was uh, miscapped by Vegas, which rarely would I say something like that. I should have told people. Hammer it um, when I gave it out, but I didn't just because again it's been one of those funky uh, kind of bowl seasons. But looking at the proximity of Notre Dame to the, to the bowl game right here, how they they end the season and uh, the styles of of the two teams, I really think that this should have been a little bit higher than three and a half. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I agree with you. I think that. Notre Dame kind of had to reset a little bit towards the end of the season, and it's you know they finished the season pretty strong. And Iowa State, they they looked a little inconsistent down the stretch, but I think Matt Campbell in a one-off game, you give him a couple weeks to prepare. I think he makes it pretty interesting, and Brian Kelly because that offense still hasn't looked great. It's had its moments where you know it's looked like a, a a powerhouse where it looks like one of the better offenses in college football. But at times, man, their offense can get really, really clunky. And they just, you know, they're just ineffective sometimes on the offensive side of the ball. And I, and I can't really figure that out about Notre Dame. I just don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe their offense. But, I mean, Vegas, hey, this time of year, man, listen, everybody got to pay bills. Vegas is paying a lot of bills. Yeah. I, I look at it like, Notre Dame, I hate saying pro style, but they they do have a, a very pro style offense where they 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 have explosive playmakers on the outside, uh, generally speaking. But they they still take a more conservative approach to their play calling, and they and they are one of the few bigger programs who utilize their tight ends on a regular basis, and um, they're going three and out as well. But I feel like we're, what we're seeing is a lot of feeling out from uh, from the two uh, favorites right now. So we'll mm-hmm. see how, how it turns out for them. I don't trust Kelly in, in, in most big games, but I don't consider this that big of a game. I don't think his bowl record is that great either, but a lot of that in my mind has been them being overmatched against like Bama's and, and Oklahoma's and things like that. Oh, snap. That yeah. was a good play. Just, look, they just got a turnover. Um, it was a good strip, too. So, uh, Notre Dame will get the ball uh, on the other half of the field. So, I mean, that's a good boost, too. It looks kind of empty, though. But um, 
let's talk about some of the factors that go into um, a bowl game, and not just from a gambler perspective, yeah. but even from a, uh, a team perspective. So a lot of these lesser bowls, um, we, we question if teams are motivated and things like that. What do you think is the most important factor to determining um, if a team is going to be successful uh, heading into a bowl game? A couple of things about bowl games. Bowl games are really tough and they're challenging to prepare for for a couple of reasons. Because like you said, you have the end of the season NFL factor. You you know, you're losing guys to attrition. And now with guys starting to, you know, take a little more control of, I guess you could say their career and sit out some of these bowl mm-hmm. games, that makes it tough. But also if you look at it from a personnel and a management standpoint as a coaching staff, you, you, you like bowls, bowl games because it allows you extra practices to um, essentially, you know, play your, your younger guys. Your younger guys start to get more snaps um, and more experience during the bowl games. You start to kind of really ex- replace the experience, and I think that's been the most important things about bowl games. You can kind of – guys that are – younger teams, I should say, have sometimes have a tendency to probably perform a little better because you get you get to kind of give younger guys more snaps and – get to really see what they're all about. But bowl games, it's challenging for so many people because, like you said, you have guys like Penn State, (laughs) Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, who really had national championship aspirations. And now you get to the end of the season, you're a 9-3, and 10-2 team, you're on a decent bowl game, but it's not where you want to be. It is really hard to, you know, get a group of, you know, 19, 20-year-old guys to get, rally behind that and also especially guys who are going to make a million dollars in you know a few weeks here it's like no nah, man I'm I'm out of here so I think as a coach it's just kind of you just got to dial in and get everybody on the same page but with a 85 20 year olds you know that's that's kind of tough yeah I'm just I think the one thing um that bothers me or has bothered me this this um bowl season is I haven't really seen the aggressive play calling from the coaches either like I mean, I complain about this at the NFL level, too. I feel like when you're in a postseason position in in any type of, like, football, you should play to win the game. Like, you should – like, what do you have to lose? Like, why are you playing so conservative? Like, uh, Notre Dame – oh, wow, that's a good uh, move by the quarterback to get uh, the first down. But they just had, like, a third and, like, two. They ran a toss play. I already hate that in general because Iowa State is built on speed on their defensive side of the ball, so they they can get to the edges. And so instead of cutting it up, the guy tries to beat the guy to the edge and he loses three yards. And I'm just like, why would you even call that, (laughs) Kenny? Why why would you even bother calling that? That's such a conservative, like, chump call. But I've been seeing that a lot. And and I will tell you right now, man, out of all the bowl games that I've seen uh, so far this year, the ones where the coaches literally don't have a clue as to what they're doing, it stands out like a sore thumb. Like, you you, you yeah. can see people, like, you know, you talked about Franklin and, and his play calling and stuff, and we've seen evidence of that throughout the year um, in, in big games. But it's just something about being in a bowl game. I don't know if it's because generally that's the only game on TV that day, but bad coaching just stands out so much. Temple, bad coaching. Awful. Oh, my God. They got destroyed from the jump. And um, I got to say, Brown is one of those guys that's doing it right. I'm not trying to uh, talk about it too much, but I really think he needs to be commended for the job that he's done in North Carolina and and the energy that he's injected in that program. 
And uh, Chase made a good point in our uh, group chat about how a lot of these teams um, that are having revivals are basically in states where some of the bigger programs have just leached kids from those states. And now they're pretty much doing a campaign to take back that state. So, like, if Matt can keep the kids in North Carolina and then work his way down south a little and and, and mooch off of Virginia as well, he's going to have a decent program. He's going to have a good team. Um, And I think that's showing up in his recruiting efforts as well. Um, The the kid that they got at quarterback, they flipped from Florida State uh, after yeah, they had some uh, coaching. Yeah, and and he's not he's not awful, but he, he, I think he's talented and he's got a lot of. No, talent. he's really good. I mean, he, he should probably be the second best quarterback in the ACC next year. I mean, if yeah. you look at what Mac Brown has done and what they're returning, I think it's safe to say that North Carolina should, you know, from here on out, they're going to start to establish themselves as, you know. I know we're a little older, so, you know, during the night, I mean, you talk about they went years where they had Ronald Curry, Dre Blatt, Julius Peppers, Lawrence Taylor went to North Carolina. I mean, they have a football history, and it's just that they're a school that's so dominated by basketball. And like you said, they're in a great recruiting position because the state of North Carolina produces a lot of talent. I mean, Ty Gurley's from the state of North Carolina. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You're in between states like Virginia, South Carolina, Georgia, and, He's got to win some games. Now, it sucks that he's in the same division as Clemson every year. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's, I, I like what Mac Brown is doing, man. And I think right now he's trying to win back, you know, whatever turf he can because the state of North Carolina is for the taking. And if you can pick, you know, a couple from Georgia, a couple from Virginia, Tennessee, all these other talented states, yeah, I think they'd be fine. Yeah, I agree. Um, I look forward to it. I, I really think um... – I really think we're gonna we're gonna see uh, an even more competitive uh, college football landscape next year, and I'm actually looking forward to. I'm eager to I'm eager to see the games that we got today and uh, see who's gonna be our champion this year. But I really think that there's gonna be a lot of people moving up and then moving down. There's gonna be a lot of movement within that top 25 that we have this year. Um, if we're looking at uh, next year as well, I think a lot of people are gonna be in positions that they didn't expect to be in. So looks like Memphis got a field goal. Um, they're up three nothing. Uh, Notre Dame got a field goal. Penn State's driving. Um, but let's talk about the, the meat of this particular um, session today. The playoffs have started. I'm not sure what that was. Anyway, the playoffs have started, and um, mm-hmm. we've got at four o'clock. I'm gonna miss most of it, but um, Oklahoma. LSU, the line is at 14, I believe, still. Um, and as, as at the start of this podcast, the line's at 14, over under the 75 and a half. What do you, what do you think is the storyline in this game, and how do you see it playing out? The storyline of this game is which defense oh my is going God. to establish itself. Yo. I think. I, I'm sorry, I, I, the Penn State, the Penn State uh, running back score just now was just like Marshawn Lynch, Holman, Holman <laughs> Dick. <laughs> like for real, like he he must he must like four people, yo, <laughs> and then dragged the dude like seven yards and scored. Like I had to give him credit, man. That's why I was just like, wow. But yeah, go go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I think for me, it's going to be which defense is going to be able to establish itself. Now, I mean, 
and over under 75, that's a lot of points. Even for two powerful offenses like Oklahoma and LSU, I don't see LSU giving up 40 points to Oklahoma. I just don't. Now, but I I do see a scenario where I see LSU giving up 40 to Oklahoma. So it's not, excuse me, Oklahoma to LSU. So I'm just like, at some point, Dave Aranda and Alex Grinch, two of the better defensive minds in college football, have to find a game plan to maybe, you know, you're not going to stop these offenses, but slow these offenses down. Who's going to be able to get some stops in critical moments? That's really what I'm interested to see. And Jalen Hurts, man. He's never lost to LSU, and he's I, – I mean, I don't think he's had a great season. I really thought Chase Young and Justin Fields should have been higher above him in the highest rankings, but, hey, that's, that's in over there. But I, I want to see what Jalen Hurts shows up, man. He's had some moments in big games this year where he's been very, very inconsistent in throwing the ball. So I know they're going to have guys like C.D. Lamb. I mean, that wide receiver court is awesome, Hazelwood and so many weapons that they're going to have. And we all know that Lincoln Riley is going to have a great game plan. So I think those two those two things will determine how Oklahoma plays. And for LSU, I mean, the running back, he's, he's a little banged up. We know mm-hmm. Barrow's going to be sharp. I, I expect, I, honestly, early, earlier when I saw the line, I, I, I wanted to take Oklahoma to cover the 14. But the more and more I think about it, I think LSU wins by – Seventeen or more. I, I could I could see a man a, a thirty five to I don't know man like ten game. I, I know Oklahoma's offense is potent man, but I, I just don't. Jalen Hurts is so inefficient as a passer in some games that I I just don't. Maybe I'm putting too much credit into LSU and just disrespecting Oklahoma like it seems that everybody else has been. But I just I just don't see it for the, for the Sooners man. Yeah, I um when I looked at this game um early on, I think it opened at thirteen and a half, and I was like, man, what? That's so disrespectful to Jalen Hurts. I mean, I mean, he he ain't, he never really been blown out like talking about it. Um, yeah. But then the more I got to thinking about it, looking looking at the uh, the edge rusher that Oklahoma lost, I think they're missing a safety as well. And then yeah. uh, considering what I know about their defense and what I know about LSU's offense, it really is like when people have questioned if LSU um, or if Oklahoma will ever stop LSU, that's, I mean, I think that's a legitimate question. Like LSU could probably score every possession uh, if they if they really wanted to. And um, the thing about Oklahoma's um, defense that I don't like is that they give too much ground. And and um, they they tend to play what I call uh, bend but don't break defense, and they kind of give too much ground as driving in. They try to clamp down on you around the red zone. It just ain't gonna work against LSU, man. Like once you allow yeah. them to get into a rhythm, you just create a monster. And it, it's just, I, I really think stylistically the way Oklahoma plays is gonna benefit LSU uh, from offensive end. I I personally think the LSU. Uh, with the fact that they got somebody like Stingley, like they really can get some stops against a uh, lesser passer yeah. like Jalen. And uh, we know they got a lot of weapons, but when you got a, a legitimate cornerback that can, can lock down a side of the field, like, it really helps a defense, man. You can do a whole lot of things. Uh, you can send a lot more pressure or give different looks. Like, I really think this is an opportunity for LSU's defense to kind of showcase 
um, some some more skill that we we just haven't seen throughout the year from them. But in all cases, they still done enough to win, obviously. And when they needed to yeah. step up, they have. And I think I think I think we'll get the under uh, in a scenario where um, Lincoln and company um, just try to limit how much time the LSU has with the um, yeah. With with their offense, uh, one one interesting stat that I read um, that I think a lot of people should should hear is that Oklahoma, be, because they score a lot of points, people assume that they're up tempo offense. Their pace is actually below average in, in regards to how many plays yeah. they run per game and how quick they get they get those plays in. So that's something to consider if if their normal is below average and then they're playing such an explosive offense in LSU, and then we also have them defensively playing bend but don't break defense, they're going to be drives that might start out pretty quick and then it's going to get slower. They're going to kind of clamp down uh, on defense. And then likewise, when they're on offense, wow. And there goes the big play that I was talking about with Penn State. Uh, but, like, on, when they're on offense, they're probably going to go a little bit slower than people uh, anticipate. So um, it's an interesting matchup. I'm still going to take LSU to cover. Uh, 14 is, is a little chunky for me. I liked it better at 13 and a half, so I would just buy the hook down to 13 and a half. But I don't think them winning by more than uh, two touchdowns is, is far-fetched. And it's nothing against Oklahoma. They just It's just the matchup, man. <laughs> yeah, they just don't have it. I mean, two, two stats that stood out um, to advanced statistics is that for Oklahoma, their opponents have been scoring at um, on ninety three percent of their red zone attempts. That is crazy. That is bad for a defense to have an opponent score ninety three percent of the time when they you know get points in the red zone. That's I can't imagine that. And also, they've had sixty two plays of twenty yards or more. You give up chunk plays to LSU, this thing is going to get out of hand really, really, really fast. So and it's like if you can't stop people from scoring in the red zone, you can't hold your, you know, you can't shorten the field, and you also mm-hmm. expanding the field by giving up big plays. That's really hard as a coordinator, man, to get into a rhythm and to really dial in and try to stop an offense like LSU. Yeah, and and I I really think people need to to understand that the LSU offense is really that good. Like it's, it's, to me, it's not an exaggeration. Yeah. Like they really have the ability to score on Oklahoma every single play. Matter of fact, the easiest yeah. job today will probably be the punter. <laughs> the easiest job today. Um, so um, I think I, I think that's the consensus across across the uh, college landscape. People are anticipating LSU to win this thing and win it in in dynamic fashion. Um, one other interesting stat that people might want to know. Um, the Oklahoma defense, I want to say, is um, – and this comes from Action Sports. Action Sports has uh, advanced metrics that they call uh, havoc defense, basically disrupting backfields and, and passing or um, pass rushing. And I think Oklahoma was a top ten havoc defense um, as far as the pass rush goes. Um, the gentleman who is out – um, was responsible for almost 70% of their habits. Yeah, he's a leading pass so rusher. Yeah, so, so it's not like, it's, like I said, he's a very, very key person to miss. 
in a, in a in a matchup like this, and, and I think that ultimately that's going to hurt them because Burrow under pressure is still magnificent. So I can only imagine if they can't really get anything on him. And then how do you how do you over, how do you compensate for that? How do you make up for the fact that you don't have that? And generally, people send more pressure. They do more blitzing. Yeah. And if you're blitzing when you're not normally in positions that you blitz in, like if you're adjusting in that way, then your your personnel has to adjust. And they're used to having this extra man here in zone or this extra man kind of roaming around the field uh, when they're in uh, man coverage, and they don't have that anymore. And like like we were talking about, it could it could really set uh, set them up to be a little off balance, and and um, this could turn ugly. Uh, and if it does, again, there's no knock on Oklahoma. It's just the matchup, man. Um, I know you're upset because you really wanted to go to a, to the game in Atlanta and see Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> I did, man. I, I was really – I was so disappointed we didn't get the one seed just because I knew we'd have been playing in Atlanta. But it is what it is now, man. We ready. I'm, it's, you know how I feel about the game. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the game. Um, I don't recall the over on that. I think it was like sixty three. I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, but the spread is at the time of the podcast. The spread was two and a half. Two and a half. Um, with Clemson favorite, but uh, Clemson versus Ohio State is. Everybody keeps saying this is a national championship. Uh, I mean, the more the more we the longer we take to get to the national championship the more I'm inclined to say we got to stop disrespecting LSU. <laughs> but this is the game that everybody wants to see uh, in in lieu of the uh, national championship. If, if I can't get the national championship today, I definitely want to see Ohio State versus Clemson. Um, I know the fan bases kind of want to see it. There is, there is a slight history of some bad blood between the programs um, after that 31-0 whipping that they took a couple years ago. But here we are, Ohio State, Clemson. Yeah. I know you got Ohio State. Why? For me, I, I just feel we're the most complete team in the country. And because it's just always funny to me how people can say, oh, it, I want to start by, start by saying this too. I'm always a big proponent of not who you play, it's how you play. And yeah. while the ACC is weak, I look at, you know, any down conference as just like the Big, big East in the 90s. Miami were beating, you know, they were beating up on Boston College. They were beating up on Pitt. They were beating up on Syracuse. People were like, oh, you know, that just won't work in the national landscape. And here you are, they're getting the national championship and they're beating everybody by 30, 40 points. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when I look at this Ohio State team, I think Clemson is, is talented. I think Isaiah Simmons is one of the most versatile athletes I've ever seen in football, maybe since LeVar Aronson. That's really – he wears number 11 like LeVar Aronson. When I, when I look at him, that's who he reminds me of. He's 6'4", 225, versatile defender. He plays safety, he plays some linebacker, some rush, and they do a lot of different things with him. And I think he's going to be the guy that's really going to keep an eye on Justin Fields throughout the game. But why is mm-hmm. Davis in the interior of our offensive line? And I just think our offensive line in general, that is – Run three three five against us just isn't going to work because we're just going to power inside zone and outside zone you to death and just really establish the ground game and allow Justice Hurt. We we know that we, nobody knows how how healthy he is. Ryan Day gave him a vote of confidence this morning, and I just think that Jeffrey Okuda, Sean Wade, Damon Onnet, Chase Young is just going to be a literally 
athlete for athlete type of game. And I know people, these are two different teams, you know, or I'm talking about Ohio State from, you know, the 31 nothing loss. You're talking about a team that really we, everyone knew all year. Chase and I used to always talk about our lack of vertical passing game. So we wasn't surprised, you know. I, well, I was surprised that we got beat that bad, but it's not surprised that, you know, a, a great opponent really embarrassed us on the national stage. And I think that does linger, but I think it's just been a lot of beef with Clemson. You know, we've, we've never beaten them in the postseason and since the day of Woody Hayes. Also, Jackson Carmen, the starting left tackle, was probably the biggest recruiting miss in Urban Meyer's career. You're talking about the number one player in the state of Ohio was pretty much a Buckeye lean up until National Signing Day when Dabo Sweeney pretty much said, listen, man, Urban's done. He's finished, and you'd be silly to go to Ohio State. And, you know, as fate would have it, he was right. <laughs> you know, that a year later, here we are, you know, in this scandal with Urban Meyer and, you know, Zach Smith and Courtney Smith and all those things that happened. But when I looked on it on paper, man, I just think we're the most complete team in the country. We, from everything, special teams, offensive, defense, you look at Justin Fields, K.J. Hill, Jeremy Rucker, um, Gary Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Wilson, I mean, the same way they have Ross, the same way they have, you know, um, T. Higgins and their receiving core and, and Trevor Lawrence, we have Justin Fields and we can match them, you know, gun for gun. And I, I don't know. I don't know how Clemson's going to respond. I just haven't seen them be tested much this year. So from what I've seen, yeah, I, I like the Buckeyes by 10. So I like um, Clemson because, like you said, I'm not really looking at, at – uh, who people play per se is more so how they play. Um, and, and I feel like Clemson looks forward to these games. They look forward to playing these yeah. bigger programs because all year they, all year they, they basically only hear, well, you guys don't play anybody. You guys don't do this. You guys don't do that. You know? So I really think that it, it motivates them um, even more. Uh, I also like that, and it's one of the things I think people are not necessarily talking about, but th- I think this hurt Alabama last year, and I think it, it might rear its head against Ohio State. Some of these staff members got one foot out the door, man. Like, I mean, it's, that's just the business, you know? And uh, I yeah. I worry about, you know, like when Chase is talking about guys are getting looking at Boston College and things like that, like, you know, people are looking to move up and so forth. If you're If you're – not at your top of focus in these situations. Like we're talking about the apex of coaching here and, and competition. If you don't have all your focus on, on this game, then it's going to show it's going to, you're going to end up lacking little minor details within the game. And, and this will definitely be a game that will be ultimately decided by preparation and coaching because these teams are evenly matched. Um, uh, in my mind, like there, there's no, clear advantage on either side of the ball other than Chase Young yeah. without doubt the best player on the field. But other than that, quarterbacking, I've seen just as much promise out of Justin Fields uh, as I saw Trevor Lawrence uh, this year. Uh, same with the, with the with Dobbins and Entian uh, and, and, you know, Ross is a great receiver, but you guys have got guys that I've seen go vertical and stretch the field from time to time when they have to and make big plays, big catches and so forth and so on. So there's no shortage of talent uh, on either team. So then it comes down to staff. And I I know what I'm going to get out of Dabo. 
Um, I, I've seen Dabo in these situations. I've seen Venable in these situations. And um, it's not a knock on Ryan Day at all because he's a great coach. Yeah. He's proven that as well. But I feel from my standpoint as a fan, as a gambler, I have to take Clemson because I was just in this position last year, and I said, man, let me get Bama. And then I got embarrassed and had to hedge, so I'm not even going to do that this year. I'm going to I'm gonna side with what I know and side with, with uh, Clemson. And then there's also the aspect of one thing about Ohio State that is a red flag to me, and um, I, I've said it in the chat. They're not as uh, – they're not as protective of the ball as I would like them to be hitting into this game right now. Um, there's also murmurs and whispers that, that Justin Fields isn't at 100%. Um, with his with his lack of ball protection over the last couple games, I'm a little worried that, you know, you, you get in a situation where you have to play from behind against a team like Clemson. We're not talking about three points or seven, but, like, you know, you guys are now 14 against Wisconsin, and I think there was uh, some hiccups in the Penn State game, too, uh, because of turnovers and things like that. Like, you just can't put yourself in that situation against a yeah. team like Clemson, and that worries me. Uh, also worries me that um, Ryan Day might, because you guys are built to be a little bit more physical up front, he might get too conservative and get too geared on on uh, powering the ball and and limit the explosiveness of the offense, and we would be in a situation where it's like, why is this game so close? Like, why are you guys why are you guys yeah. running on third and five instead of going for the first down? Why is he not being aggressive enough? And and I think he had one maybe it was the the first time y'all played Wisconsin. Um, when uh, that first half, and I don't know if it was because it was weather related or what, but he was, you guys were a little slow to get off, and then you blew him out in the second half. But like that kind of worries me as well because you you just can't give Clemson an opportunity, and and uh, ultimately, I don't think Clemson is going to blow you guys out by by any means. But I can see it being like a four or five point win based off the fact that Ohio State will go for a field goal. And instead of getting a touchdown at some point, and Clemson will just be more efficient uh, around the red zone when they need to be. But it's, again, another game where it's not a knock on anybody who loses this game. Yeah, it's just the matchup. It's really just the matchup. Like yeah. if there was one team that I, if I was an Ohio State fan or um, coach, if there was one team I didn't want to see, it would be Clemson. Um, if I'm a Clemson fan or coach, one team I didn't want to see would probably be Ohio State. And and yeah. uh, I think that's basically what's what's happening here. And and you know, either team that gets through this through this test is going to be better for it um, once they go up against LSU. And um, I keep saying, you know, don't count out LSU because Brady and Burrow are really just that special. It, it's going to take more than just your name to get by them. But um, it's definitely a, a a winner take all type feel for this game tonight. So um, you said ten points. You think they? I, yeah, I like 10? the bunch about ten points, man. I think for me, uh-huh. I look at Clemson secondary, man. I think we're going to attack Tanner Muse and we're going to isolate Isaiah Sims. What, what we're going to do with that is instead of keeping allowing Justin to keep the ball in a lot of run pass situations, you're going to probably see a lot of Jeremy Rucker. You're going to see a lot of KJ Hill. You're going to see a lot of Garrett Wilson in the slot, and we're going to really press them vertically. I think. You know, just from following the house, State Twitter, the people that's been close to um, the program has pretty much said that Ryan Day 
understands what is at hand. Urban Meyer has been at practice pretty much every single day. He's had guys, and Chip Kelly's been at practice every single day. He's talked to Bill Belichick this week. He's a guy that's pretty dialed in. And just like people had yeah. that doubt, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Clemsoning was a thing. We're only a few years removed from that. And I think at some point, oh, yeah. Dabo had to make his presence on the national stage felt. And I think, you know, Ron Day is going to do that because, I mean, if you go by the 24-7 team talent composite, there's only one roster in college football more talented than ours, and that's Bama. And, and, and not by much, a very marginal fraction. I think Ryan Day has done a really good job of – and I know Jeff Hafley's leaving, but the same thing can be said. Jeff Scott was Clemson's offensive coordinator. He left as well to go be the head coach at USF. Yeah. So that's why when I really look at this matchup, man, it's just like quarterback play. Man, that's a push. Both quarter, Like you said, both quarterbacks are great. Wide receiving core, I'd give the edge to Clemson. Defensive line and offensive line, I'd give the edge to Ohio State. It's like, man, like it's literally a battle of two Goliaths. And like you said, it's, it's almost sucks that either team has to lose this game because it's just two juggernauts that's just going to match up, man, and just go play. But I like the Bucks by 10 because I feel like Justin Fields is probably going to give him – he's a lot – I think he's close to 100%. I, I, I know he said early in the week he's probably 85 90%, but – I think that was kind of a smoke screen, just kind of like, hey, man, you know, they caught him in an honest moment. But I just think, man, they're not going to be able to stop our run game. With Master Teague, J.K., um, excuse me, um, J.K. Dobbins, and with Justin Fields. So I don't know if Clemson has really seen a run game as dynamic as ours because I know the, the, the thing I love the most about Ryan Day is he didn't just diversify our passing game. He diversified our run game. We run a lot of zone-based scheme, which is mid-zone, inside zone, outside zone. Then the next element of that is the zone read and the RPO. Then we run a lot of gap things, a lot of counter, a lot of powers, a lot of traps. It's, we do a lot to keep people off balance. And I know, you know people are probably going to expect, you know, us to come out really throwing in and, and slinging around the field. No, I think it's going to be a very methodical approach. And one that I think if, if I, people talk about us when we get behind or what Justin Fields is going to do, I'm like, we've been tested. We've seen that. I've seen Justin yeah. Fields. I, I mean, I don't know what more people want from the guy. I've seen him get knocked out, essentially. You know, like he, he came back from the – he obviously was not healthy in the Wisconsin game. Then we came back and scored 28. <laughs> and like, I, I mean, it was just literally like, wow, this is how dominant that's his team. Because we've seen the Ohio State ceiling. If Ohio State plays to the ceiling, I don't think there's a team in college football who can beat us. Yeah, and the the thing about uh, Ohio State that's difficult to, to plan against, too, is that uh, Ryan Day, when you say def- diversify um, your uh, run game, I mean, it comes from a lot of different looks, too. I think a lot of people don't yeah. give them credit for that. Um, you, you've got a situation where the team can come out and what looks like a heavy package, and they can pass the ball, and they can get yards yep. off of that, um, and and that kind of opens up the 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 threat of RPO and, and play action. So like if you if you get in a situation where where you're not in control, if you're Clemson, if you can't manage the down and distance, if you can't make them have to pass in these situations, if you can't control the um, the the play sheet of Ohio State, then you are going to run into some problems, and I and I think that that's the biggest thing when we're talking about um, you know playing from behind and things like that. 
I feel like if you're Clemson, you would much rather be in a situation where Ohio State has to pass to come back or, yeah, or they have definitely. to play a little bit faster than what they want um, because that plays into your hands. You don't want them to be comfortable. Um, and, and I think, like, you know, in the same breath that I said, uh, Burroughs and that offense will be very comfortable against Oklahoma based off how they play. And we had talked about this earlier in the week. I think Venable and the defense are going to be aggressive to start out because they don't yeah. want Ohio State to be comfortable. They don't want Dobbins to get off. Like they're, they're gonna, they're gonna yeah. come up they're with some unique ways to kind of go ahead. No, I was gonna say you're exactly right. Brent Venables is one of my favorite defensive coordinators to watch. He doesn't play, but he plays with house money. He's not scared. Mm-hmm. He's literally going to dictate the game to you. So we have to be ready for that. Like you said, just we have to know as a as a program that teams are going to say, look, we're going to really see what Justin Fields is about. Because like you said, if you let J.K. Dobbins start getting rolling in our passing game, we can do some play action, RPO, man, it's, it, we can get rolling. We can put up points in a hurry, just like Clemson. So you're right, man. I think Venables is going to come out with an effort-type mentality, and whatever happens, happens. He trusts his dogs, and they're going to come after us. Yep. And and then um, I think we, we, we're we going to see as well a scenario where um, what we get in the first half ain't going to be the same in the second half. If the team yeah, is going absolutely. too quick in the first half, I fully expect the game to slow down in the second half. Uh, matter of fact, uh, for both for both games, I expect once the second half adjustments are, are made, that the teams are going to try to slow down the game a little. But um, I'm hoping for a good game. I know yeah. we're going to get it at 8 o'clock. I'm, I'm going to pray for Oklahoma, but I know we're going to get it at 8 o'clock. <laughs> um, but, I'm, uh, I'm really praying there, for Oklahoma-Ohio State National Championship. Yeah. God, Penn State's doing that crap that they did against Minnesota, man. I can't. I hate these guys. Um, if you're looking <laughs> for some value, I do believe that Oklahoma right now is four or five to one on the money line. Yep. If you like to take risk, I'm not about that life, but if you like to take risk, uh, that would be the spot to go. Um, keep an eye on the live lines uh, for these games, especially for um, Clemson and Ohio State based off of uh, how close the spread is just to start. If you're looking to back uh, Clemson, and you, you miss out and you don't like the two and a half, if Ohio State scores first, you're going to get that at, a, at an underdog value. So um, just keep an eye on that as well. Um, we've got Notre Dame up 10 nothing. Memphis is up 13-7 on, um, on Penn State. So we'll see if Penn State actually wants to play because they, they're looking like they have to play. So we'll see. But um, Notre Dame is basically doing what we said they would they could do, and, and that's basically overpower Iowa State. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll see how that plays out. Both games going into the second quarter. Uh, Marcus, uh, we can get back together for a special preview of the national championship. Um, I wish yeah. we could go Facebook Live and do the dual screen, but uh, I'll figure I'll figure out a way. Maybe we could do uh, some kind of video for that, but I, I would definitely want to do a breakdown of the national championship. And so we're going to have LSU. I got LSU playing Clemson. He's got LSU playing uh, Ohio State. So we will see who's right. Yeah, man, I'm excited, man. It's gonna, I think both games are going to be really good game. I think this playoff – I think this is probably the best group of playoff teams we've had because sometimes you've had the three and four 
matchup, the, the, the three and four teams just look really, really bad. But I think we knew all year that Clemson, Ohio State, LSU were the three. They were cut above everyone. And then we just didn't know mm-hmm. who that fourth team was. And now that it's Oklahoma, I, I mean, I'm okay. Like, I'd much rather see a Oklahoma great offense, bad defense than to see – because I feel like Oklahoma has more of a – if you can score points, you have a shot in an upset. I just – I'm glad yeah. you don't have a Baylor or a Georgia who would be offensively challenged but a defensive, you know, minded football team. And I think that can turn into bad football into a blowout really, really quick when you're dealing with offense yeah, that you can put up a lot of points. So, yeah, yeah, man, we'll get back together for the national championship. And I know, oh, man, I, I'm preparing myself for the best and the worst tonight because I'm going to be the biggest <laughs> troll or I'm going to get trolled. The- <laughs> like, I can't, I got to get my mind right for what could possibly happen in the next, man, if we, if, oh, my God, this is going to be mad. Jay Howell, I got my eye on you, man. Like, I'm coming straight for you, win or lose. <laughs> yeah, it can, it can go left or it can go right real quick. So expect real the expect the, you got a minute, Sam. Uh, message if if y'all if y'all turn the ball over, somebody definitely gonna hit you early. <laughs> definitely. All right, man. Take care. Thanks for calling in. Definitely. Till next time. All right. This has been the IBN College Football Playoff Podcast. Um, we got a split on who's going to be where I went with LSU and Clemson. And then our resident Ohio state fan and co-host Marcus went with uh, LSU and Ohio state. Uh, Best bet I would say would be the Clemson spread. Um, The best bet probably Marcus would say would be Ohio state spread. I think we both agree that um, it's more than likely that LSU is going to cover that 14. Um, I like it better at 13 and a half um, just to avoid the push. So uh, you guys can go with that. I'd be a little weary of the uh, 75 and a half over under. Um, I would probably just check the pulse of the game and just bet that live um, before I take the 75. Because, again, if, if they struggle a little bit to score in the beginning, uh, you'll get something way more favorable. Um, and then with the over-under on Clemson, Ohio State, kind of the same thing, just kind of to gauge how the game's going. Uh, before you touch that over-under as well, if you think the 63 is too hot. Uh, So we will be back for the national championship. Catch you guys later.